This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. He became an icon portraying Dr. Hawkeye Pierce in the classic TV series MASH. Since then, Alan Alda has had a passion for all things scientific, especially the art and science of relating and communicating. He will be communicating with us in person at Idea City in a few weeks. In the meantime, we chatted by phone about his latest book. Alan Alda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Okay. So first of all, let's start with the title of the book, If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? I, I think that says a lot about the content. It does. It's, uh, if you can't afford the book, you can read the title and try to figure out the rest. What it means really is, I think I stumbled across an unusual idea in the 25 to 50 years I've been working on this. And that is, if you're trying to communicate with somebody, it does matter what you say, but it matters a little bit more whether or not the other person is getting it. And they're going to get it if they pay attention to what's going on in your head or the person talking has to think about what's going on in the head of the person who's listening, or it's not going to take place. It's just spraying information at them. And the way we can figure out what's happening in their head is to observe them or figure out what's probably going on if we're writing for them. So you talk a lot about the role of listening and the role of empathy. Yeah. Yeah, empathy, you know, there's a lot of definitions of empathy. And some definitions seem to lean heavily on the idea that if you have empathy, you're a nicer person or you're more compassionate. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think empathy is just a tool. You can use it to help people, to communicate with them, or you can use it to be a bully or an interrogator or a torturer. I think those people use empathy too. But if you're really trying to help somebody, that can be a real tool to communication. I'd like to focus a little bit on communication by doctors because yeah. that's something that's that's very important to our demographic, to Zoomers. We had a really remarkable report from a medical student we had trained in communication. And we start with improvisation exercises, which are designed to put the scientist or the, the doctor in touch with another person where they observe them and they can read them and figure out what's happening in, inside them by observing their face, their body language, their tone of voice, and that kind of thing. And he had taken this training and he was on rounds on, on the floor and the head doctor was explaining to a patient that she had cancer and that she was going to die. It had metastasized and that was going to be it. And she just was looking at him blankly, not asking any questions, not responding in any way. And the medical student thought, this woman is not listening. She can't hear it. She's not in touch with what he's saying. And the head doctor just said, okay, and started to walk away. And the medical student said, do you mind if I talk to her? And he gave him permission. And he sat down in front of her, took her hand, 
and spoke to her in the plainest language, didn't use the word metastasis. But she started to understand that she was in the final stage. And for the first time, she started to cry and started to ask questions. Hadn't asked a single question up until then. And he was so moved by the fact that he had made contact with her in this simple way, he started to cry. So we don't train doctors to cry, but he was so moved by the fact that his work on communication had really helped this woman and eased her way to the end. Doctors and other scientists and financial professionals use a lot of jargon, and it's very hard to get them off of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think every profession has its own jargon. Show business has jargon. If I told you on a movie set, get me a gobo and put it on the century and hurry up, it's the martini shot, and while you're at it, bring me a half apple. (laughs) (laughs) You probably wouldn't know what I was talking about. And those are all simple things. Translate, please. (laughs) I guess I better. A gobo is a thing that blocks out some light. It goes on a century stand, which has the name Century on it, because it used to be made by the Century Light Stand Company. And the martini shot is the last shot of the day, after which you go home and have a martini. And a half apple is a box about the size of half half an apple box that you can put things on like short actors. President Obama had started a brain initiative And to kick it off, they had nanoscientists and neuroscientists in the same room together trying to figure out if they could examine brains by collaborating. The neuroscientists and the nanoscientists were both using the same word, the word probe, and they couldn't understand what the other one meant by it. They meant completely different things, an ordinary word, not even a technical term, but a term we use every day. They had a special meaning for it, and for hours they argued about it. So jargon can really get in the way, not only between science and the public, but between scientists and other scientists. And one of the things we found in training scientists to communicate better is that they collaborate better when they learn to communicate better because they can talk to fellow scientists and collaborate across disciplines. So how do you get them off it? We, first of all, train them to pay attention to the other person and think about not so much what's the ideal way to say what they have to say, although that's important, but to concentrate on how it's landing on the other person. And we found that the more we give them practice in doing that, the more aware they are of who they're talking to. And it turns out it's for everybody. One of the reasons I wrote this book is that scientists themselves began to say to me, you know, this is for more than just scientists. One, one physicist said to me, you've got to train other people to, to communicate better because my wife is an art historian and I can't understand the word she's saying. <laughs> and another scientist said, you've saved my marriage. <laughs> Alan Alda, thank you so much, and I am really looking forward to meeting you at Idea City. Me too. Thank you. That's been really fun talking with you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
That was Alan Alda on his new book, If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? He'll be speaking at Idea City, which runs June 14th through the 16th. You can get tickets at ideacity.ca slash tickets. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. The lead guitarist of the Creedence Clearwater Revival turns 72 today. We'll have more about John Fogarty in a moment. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.